Okay, so we are live on Facebook and Instagram and um, for humanizing the icon. And on the Facebook part, Celio Bordin, a renowned artist from Italy, is going to be transforming the chat into a live work of art. He's a perception artist. So if you don't see it today, it will be in the YouTube episode. So hi, Celio. Hi. Hi, I'm excited today. Oh. Very oh, nice, okay. and uh, thank you, Sean, for participate to this uh, talk. Thank you, Jennifer, and I try to draw the energy that I perceive. Yes. All right. We'll let you get started. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Amazing. And we'll talk to you at the end. Yeah. Okay. Have fun. Okay. Hi, Sean. Hello. So tell us where you I'm, are first. I'm ready. Because it's just so beautiful. I'm, I'm in a construction zone, apparently. I was just telling you before the show, I've never seen construction start at 3 o'clock. I used to work construction. We always finished at 3 o'clock. And apparently, these guys have started at 3 o'clock, which is very surreal. So I'm in California <laughs> and enjoying enjoying nature, which is the one of the great uh, aspects of this uh shutdown of 2020 the uh lockdown of 2020 is you know those of us that are have an opportunity to get out of the cities get back to nature that is the uh, one of the benefits of uh, having this time yes what are they constructing around you <laughs> oh i don't know probably working on a house i just it's just bizarre that it started at this time so late in the day yeah like the sun's about to set the sun is about to set in like you know two hours and uh you just don't usually start this kind of construction that late strange <laughs> yeah well actually you sound pretty good so hopefully good it doesn't get louder um yes but okay so you said something interesting already <laughs> um this this time during the during covid times has like brought you back to nature is that what you said Yes, yes. I mean, in my case, I would say that um, I was drawn back to nature the last few years. It's, it's like I was sort of maybe prepa being prepared for it, this sort of uh, we call it digital nomadic lifestyle. Um, you know, uh, I used to travel a lot more this year. I still had the opportunity to get away from uh, America a little bit, but it's not the same uh, amount of travel. Obviously, they're trying to lock us in and lock us down. Uh, but there is an opportunity here for us to get back to nature, to connect um, to earth basically to get out of these big cities which are overcrowded and toxic um there that is the calling i feel from this the positive the silver lining of this uh of this great transformation of 2020. yeah that's really beautiful um do you remember when we met for the very first time uh thinking about that it would have been it would have been about 10 years ago or something oh. maybe more uh yeah about 10 years ago good memory it was 2010 um it was in new york at an artist loft <laughs> when i was doing my first film there's a lot of those <laughs> there's yeah, a lot of those <laughs> it was a cool one you remember which one it was it was uh michael's in union which square sailor okay. Mike, yeah <laughs> and it was michael sailor yeah yes, the little death yes. was performing with moby and we played like, oh, yeah. snippets of my oh, film billy Bates. <laughs> that's right that's right Yes, it was, it was a fun night. So I was thinking it would be cool since it's kind of a 10 year cycle um, to get a sort of recap of highlights from you. 
of like what the last 10 years has really um, sort of been for you in terms of your journey because it just seems like a lot's been going on and it's really fascinating. And I just wonder what the highlights are for you. Oh my God. Ten, what comes years. Like, just, like just without thinking. It's so wild. Long. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's just wild. Um, the 10 year journey of the two, the 2010s. I haven't reflected on it that much in a sense. I've been more forward look, looking. Uh, but for me, uh, you know, 2010 started with, uh, with putting together my film Greystone Park, which I released in 2012, which was based on where I was that time, which was very much investigating the dark side of life, uh, going into haunted realms, um, mm -hmm. mental hospitals, abandoned mental hospitals. So, you know, madness and, <laughs> and demonic activity and just sort of like this sort of this being swept up by the irrational. It was the night side of, uh, of, my, of my exploration. Very dark few years. Mm -hmm. So, I think it was uh, it was the dark night of the soul, you could say, in a way that I was going through and and exploring. And then 2012 was actually the portal. Like I released my film in October, and 20 and December was the beginning of this transformation that we're now uh, approaching. Now, seven years later, seven eight years later, it's like the cycle had to has to hit a new octave, right? Eight mm -hmm. is the end of the octave and the beginning of the next one. So, um, as far as uh, 2012 goes, we broke through this this portal in time and opened up to new dimensions of understanding uh you know ayahuasca journeys and mm -hmm. um i just remember <laughs> traveling and kind of like putting myself out there publicly in new ways with conspiracy theory the tv show and then my show buzzsaw and and then rt doing news so i started putting myself out there and taking risks as a more controversial figure mm -hmm. right and um and then uh, through that time period, you know, working on, on many scripts along the way, many things that are still undeveloped and not, you know, I say not uh, have been developed, but not made. So that's what I'm looking forward to in the coming decades. But mm -hmm. the 2010s were very much, I guess, about uh, laying groundwork, you know, a lot of groundwork, a lot of uh, exploration and new ideas, new dimensions of seeing my film. Fury of the Fist came out a couple of years ago and it feels more relevant than ever because mm -hmm. it was so much about the breakdown of reality and the conspiracies that, that we meet along the way and um, this multidimensional journey that we're, that we're on. Each one of us is, you know, we are each one of us on our hero's journey, right? In it's many different forms. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I guess it's, it's the 2010s are, how, how do you say, have closed. Uh, 2020 is, seems like it's a really tough year but I, again i say great transformation because there's a lot of good on the other side of night and right now we're going through the dark night as a collective for us to light up and to uh the more quickly we light up the more that we can activate and work together as lights you know to uh to bring out a new reality from this uh, not not the new normal that they say but a new a completely new reality that we are the creators of and the uh, the guides of each other along the way yeah, I tend to uh, concur <laughs> and um, feel like COVID has been some type of cosmic code. Um, mm. It really has felt like code for, like you kind of touch on in different words, this sort of like up-leveling or this moment where we get to, even just to put it simplistically and practically, like reset or drop 
excess from our lives or reflect, or even if it's painful to just like really shed and deconstruct. And I find that um, really powerful as a collective. Um, and I think that what you said about taking this risk as like a controversial character um, in the world and publicly is also, um, I actually think the word coincidence is really powerful. Like, I don't think it's like, oh, just a coincidence. So I don't want to say it's like no coincidence, but it feels like the meet, the convergence of something um, when you are stepping out that, in that way at this time. Do you, was that sort of consciously inspired by what we're going through during this pandemic time? Or, but that, that was like already something that was in the works, obviously. But do you feel like this experience has motivated you more, let's just say, to take mm. risk in that way? <laughs> yeah. And um, what do you mean also? about like what does it mean to you to be a controversial character and to step out because humanizing the icon which we'll get into that is literally exactly the premise of this conversation precisely well let's dive into it before i do i have to mention there's a lot of people that are like viewing and it says there's only four people and i see no comments it's very strange do you see it on your side on your I instagram have, i have more people than you no, no, on Instagram, it's like, usually I see the comments and the people like that join and I don't see anything. Are you seeing comments or anything? Yeah, I've seen a few comments oh. and I have more people watching than four. So I don't oh, okay. know. Okay, well, that's good. I, I can't see anything on my side. So it just, it that's, was a little strange. Um, because yeah, and some of these like, people I don't know. So I'm yeah. guessing uh, they might know you. Um, yeah. So I it's don't always, know why you don't see them. I don't see any comments. It's always fun. Sometimes people have good, you know, questions. Aloha Vern just put a smiley face. Do you see that? No. Oh, okay, you don't no, see anything. No, nothing. Oh, That's no. why I was just, just checking. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah. as far as, um, well, I mean, look, I took, I took my step. 2012 was my, was my gateway into the public uh, eye. You could say 2012, I really came out, uh, released my film, came out, uh, had, you know, some shows that I was on, you know, Piers Morgan and Bill O'Reilly that year and, you know, again doing conspiracy theory conspiracy theory that that aired in 2012 so all these 2012 was my my uh entree to being a controversial figure um, how did that become so a niche like how did they even start to like recognize your voice in that realm like uh just through the well, film I mean, or <sighs> okay, okay, story. okay. We can uh, say you, could, okay. You, know, you could say you could say no, no, no. I mean, it's it's a good story. I mean, it's essentially it's look. Nothing in life is by by happenstance. Everything is is guided. Everything mm -hmm. is is us either stepping into our purpose and our power, mm -hmm. or you know running from it and avoiding it. But you can only avoid what you are so long, mm -hmm. right? It's mm -hmm. this is this is the great reckoning we're going through right now. It's you know karma is catching up to a lot of people right now um the truth will out as they say mm -hmm. so for me you know again 2012 was that time period where i it just happened that year you know i went to iran i ended up um uh, in a controversial space you know defending i guess iran at that moment in time in 2012 okay a different position i probably wouldn't have now but at the time i felt it was a necessary position um i was in a position uh again with the film to lead me to conspiracy theory because I was exploring, as I said, the haunted realms and paranormal activities and uh, things that were, you know, 
outside of this dimension. So that led me to conspiracy theory, mm-hmm. uh, that TV show. Uh, that was the, you know, the, the TV show, the final season. And then that, that show led me to doing a buzzsaw, which, you know, became sort of uh, a bread and butter for me for a couple of years. And that was all about interviewing people on those topics of uh, the esoteric and conspiracy and um, all the things that we're actually experiencing or living or being revealed in these, in this, in this, in this pandemic year, I think it's like the great awakening, right? The Q, yeah. Q you know, the Q movement and all this stuff. Like, well, that was, those things are, have been around for a long time. Those conspiracies and those, uh, you know, those, those topics are not new, but they're new to certain people that maybe, you know, that weren't familiar with it. Like I was uh, at that time. So I was sort of, you know, again, and I, I was avant-garde in that regard. Oh, my, yes. my head is falling here. Um, and that was just, you know, part of where I was needed. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, I was needed at, at that time uh, because of my background as, you know, you could say the son of Oliver Stone, you know, in movies like JFK and um, yeah. working on The Untold History of the United States with him, you know, which is a documentary series. So I, you know, I'd studied these things. I wrote The New World Order my book was about this this whole agenda to control uh you united states from foreign you know through foreign um agents ultimately you know mm-hmm. uh, trying to take control of the u.s sovereignty so many things that have been in a sense percolating or that i've been party to or just aware of um have brought me to this to this point in time and 2020 is a great transformation and awakening for those who haven't seen the conspiracy, well, it's rolling out in front of your eyes every day. And there's more and more, more and more conspirators being revealed and exposed. And uh, their agenda is becoming like, it's just so clear, you can't miss it, clear as daylight. Mm. So I feel like it's, 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 it's not, it, it does feel, make me feel more encouraged and inspired. It's still controversial. Yes, I'm not, the mainstream media has never embraced any of these things. The mainstream media still is playing out this, this irrational hatred of, um, conspiracy, conspiracy theory. Even though they they use they use conspiracy theories whenever they want something like you know nine eleven for example, they love the conspiracy theory of nineteen hijackers taking down three towers in New York and hitting the Pentagon. But they don't like any any conspiracy theory that contradicts their narrative. So people like me are are are, are really a conundrum for them because I'm educated. And you know, it's like it's like my father was has been too, right? The thorn in their side, where it's like you know, we actually understand, we actually have intelligence. We're not just like you know, out here, you know, in the backwoods, uh, making up stuff, you know, from taking too much ayahuasca or you know, smoking, uh, smoking too much dope. It's like you know, we're educated people that actually mm-hmm. you know, have seen things and are aware of things, and they don't know what to do with us. <laughs> so it puts us in a beautiful position with alternative media to have our voice, to get the message out there and, you know, find more and more people waking up every day that, that are like, yeah, you know, you make sense and you make a lot more sense than uh, CNN does. That's for Mm -hmm. sure. (laughs) Totally. So how does it feel? This is going to sound really funny, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, Are you used to being controversial at this point? Like, is there anything that like you sometimes feel triggered by where you're like, oh, maybe I, you know, need to be diplomatic here or I shouldn't have said that like how do you navigate that I think that's interesting in my being I don't feel controversial right in my being I feel actually very you know Schiller talked about this that that, that poets are the true diplomats that you know the the wave the really where we're going is that the poets the artists are the diplomats they are the the real politicians the statesmen right mm-hmm. um, 
because we know how to communicate between cultures and we know how to see, we know how to see things and pick up on things that many um, people with an agenda or a bias don't want to see. And that's mm -hmm. what the artist is there for. The artist is there to say, well, you're missing this or let's look at that. You know, it's a beautiful position, position to be in. I feel more of an artist than, than, uh, than, than I do, um, you know, an antagonist. I don't totally. want to be an antagonist. Mm -hmm. In fact, you know, what's funny is, um, you know, now I'm like, I'm coming out and like, I'm so much more patriotic than I used to be because I feel uh, stronger about the, the need for the, the Constitutional Republic of the United States to prevail. And so it's funny, it's like a lot of, now it's like those people like myself who are actually um, talking about a coup d'etat against the president um, and how, you know, we're for the constitution. We are, the, you know, we're the, supposed to be the, the antagonists or the controversial ones. You know, Giuliani, Mayor, Mayor Giuliani is now the, the controversial one in the eyes of the mainstream media. This is the same Giuliani that was being praised yeah, by everyone in this country when 9-11 happened. This yeah. was the mayor of New York City that was there for 9-11, that cleaned up New York, that everyone loved. Yeah. And now he's the guy that, that mainstream media is like mocking and, and ignoring. Yes. You see how the world turns? So what, is, so what is it to be antagonistic and controversial? I want to be antagonistic against people that, that, are, uh, that are basically, uh, that want to destroy the, 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 the principles of this country. And, you know, it, there's many issues in America. And I've been someone along the way, like my father has been before me, to point those out and to criticize American policy. But at the root of America is a beautiful principle. It's a constitution. It's a, it's a, it's a declaration of independence that promises natural law, which is God's law, which is all men and women are born, you know, I paraphrase in women, but the point is in principle, all men and women are born free, right? Mm -hmm. That's such a beautiful principle. And yet I feel like there are those that are literally brainwashing the masses to go against the entire principle and constitutional nature and basis of this Republic. So it's funny that you can be in a controversial position when you're actually defending America and, you know, 70, 70 plus million Americans in the red states are the, are the controversial ones now because they voted for Trump. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's that hologram, right? It's like whatever lens you're looking through is sort of how you perceive it. And it's yes. like constant, it's like constantly in flux. Well, um, because the mainstream media, the mainstream media manipulates it. And my father did a great film called natural point killers violent yes and over the top satire but it was meant to show you what did he say about media he's like you're man-made weather you guys are worse like you, you know you're like the worst kind of predators in the world you're the worst kind of purveyors of lie because you know you you basically create this this landscape and you call it truth you know mm -hmm. and you manipulate you manipulate everything for for your you know either you know what you call ratings but ultimately for your um your bias right mm -hmm. and that, that's that's what the media is about so the media is the one that creates this notion of, you know, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, who's right and who's wrong. There's, where are the unbiased journalists nowadays? <laughs> it's like they are so hard to find. Yeah. And but what do you think about how easily programmed we are, like as a species? Because that also plays into why they can even be the predator, right? Yes. Yes. Well, we're programmed because if you, if you really think about it, um, we're traumatized species. Mm -hmm. I believe that I believe in the Anunnaki stories of Sumeria that these sky gods or you know beings of noble blood, so-called, that came from the stars, uh, manipulated us. Our genetics that we were designed as a slave race initially. Mm -hmm. And you look at human history; we've been slaves. We've been slaves throughout most of human history. It's uh, it's been slaves of empires, right? Of the financiers, debt slavery. Now we're There's still more yeah. slavery in the world. We're still slaves. I, I feel. 
Yeah. Uh, we're certainly debt slaves and we're still slaves to systems. So mm -hmm. if you look at what the human being is, it's a traumatized race that's been basically, you know, we, our, our parents, you know, women and men both have been brutalized. You know, women, obviously, through force of, of custom, oftentimes, you know, physical force, um, mm -hmm. being captured and, you know, seen as property. Mm -hmm. uh, men have been traumatized since their, you know, their history as, as fodder for wars, you know, soldiers. The idea of a man is nothing unless he's, you know, a soldier and he has to go prove himself by killing or being killed. This has been the psychology that's been passed on from generation to generation within humans. So it's very difficult to find a society that's really built on the idea of freedom and the mm -hmm. principle of critical thinking and, and uh, you know, the independence of, of, not just, of not just thought and, and body and action. And that's really what America was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's flawed. It's been flawed. But at least, the, again, the principle, the basis is there. Mm -hmm. And that's what matters. That's why America to me is so important at this time, this juncture, where it's like if we stay free as a, as a humanity, America has to stay free. Mm -hmm. If America goes into this idea of, you know, total lockdown, total control, submission to authority, mm -hmm. fear, mm -hmm. you know, you, you lose, your, lose your sovereignty over your body, over your thoughts, you know, you're being censored on, online, you're being censored with your thoughts. It's over. The whole world is, is there's no hope for the world if America goes. Mm -hmm. Somebody, yeah. True. And somebody just asked if you could speak about the light waves of 2020. The light waves? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, okay. I didn't I know if that know was something you referenced before or not. She was, I don't, you I can don't know in, exactly. interpret <laughs> what are the light waves of 2020? Well, I mean, there's so many different interpretations of, of it's like, are we talking physically, specifically? Oh, my camera's getting smudged here. I'm trying to clean it up and it's getting worse. Oh my gosh, um, you look like, uh, this is a very psychedelic experience. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. Uh, but also, I want to talk about your book because that's... Which one? The, the current one that you've been, the poems, right? Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, because Desiderata came out this year, earlier this year. The, um, I just got Zerata. an Amber Alert, which just paused me on Instagram. Okay, there. Oh, uh, um, Amber Alert. Which is also, <laughs> I didn't know me, anyone was, what? no one's allowed outside. What, how can they be an Amber Alert? No one's allowed outside. There's a lot uh, of people outside, Sean. <laughs> that's good. Um, I know. Um, but also a cycle, too. I'm really into numbers, like really into numbers. That was a tw 20 year in the making like journey this book right from what i saw the ephemeral shades of time yeah um yeah the ephemeral shades of time it's it's a poetry collection that i started really when my teens i started in high school um and so a lot of it was uh very dark brooding emotions that uh reflected some of my travels you know i traveled to places like uh somalia and sudan and um kenya to visit refugee camps and to work uh, in somalia for a summer with um the refugee population there that was returning home mm -hmm. um and uh and then you know a lot of these basically were just m like moods and, and textures for my feelings and this was it, kind of the brewing i could feel like it's it was interesting because i could feel the darkness coming before 9-11 and so you know 9-11 was sort of uh, it was obviously there's a lot of factors involved in uh mm -hmm. the conspiracy of it but actually like the energy of it was I could feel it coming before it came. I could feel that that drive towards war and uh, this overall darkening landscape 
that was, you know, the nineties had been overall a pretty casual decade. You know, mm -hmm. yes, there were horrors. They talk about refugees and, and crises of, of war across the world. Uh, uh, and a lot of it perpetuated by talk about what the deep state CIA agenda really was, you know, it's always been not just CIA. I mean, talking like, you know, British empire stuff. This is mm -hmm. about controlling populations and land and resources, governments. And uh, of course, you know, we were involved in things like bombing, you know, bombings in Yugoslavia and, uh, you know, partly involved in the conflict in Somalia and Bosnia. But the point was that I could feel that darkness that was across the landscape coming to America because America had been kind of, you know, we'd been, we'd been free of it a long time since World War II. We hadn't been hurt, hit in the homeland mm -hmm. and I could just feel the, the dogs of war stirring. I didn't know how it was going to come, but 9-11 came and, uh, and unleashed even more hell, you know, so much mm -hmm. fear of terror and all that, the whole philosophy, psychology of terror that mm -hmm. became the 2000s. So uh, this poetry collection is, I think, a little bit of a transformation from dark to light. It's, there's a lot of darkness, there's a lot of pain and anguish in them, but the poems also reveal some very profound truths about the soul and reflections on our cosmic purpose and origin. And then, uh, you know, I think love prevails and, uh, in the in the stories but you know again it, 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 it's an experience you know a poetry book or a collection is uh the ephemeral shades of time meaning that uh it's like we we kind of we get slips we get glimpses and slices of life and these poems are reflections of moments along the way and before you know it decades have passed and yes. uh, and, we, and yet we have these memories what is a memory it's just like a little a little interpretation of of what a few seconds of time very difficult to understand it's moods 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 and impressions i think are more interesting in a way um than specifics mm -hmm. because there's a personal subjective interpretation to it exactly whereas, it can really like you can feel it in a deeper yeah. way it's, i yeah. think yeah so that's that's the poetry book um and hopefully it can give people some some courage and inspire inspiration for the time we're in now because it is dark and lonely for a lot of people yeah and i feel like i to me art is the heartbeat of creation and humanity um and i think poetry like you say just kind of captures the essence of something or the visceral kind of experience of something that it'll translate differently in somebody else's body but at least it's it's an experience you know and so I'm excited to check it out i'm glad you did that i i have so many poems i always think about putting them together I think you should. I think poetry is, you know, it's a language of the soul. We all connect to it. Music is music is poetry if it's done well. You know, a lot of this pop music, I don't know if it can be considered poetry or not, but I guess it rhymes. So that's half the battle. <laughs> there you go. But any computer, um, any computer can make rhyme schemes now. It doesn't really mean anything. Right. True. Um, so, okay. So humanizing the icon is, um, it's interesting because where I landed, which was at the Venice Biennale last year, putting together an exhibit called Humanizing the Icon, which came out of the Mary Pickford film, someone that saw the film and loved the art, um, kind of invited us over. Chelio was a part of it and other artists too. And it launched me into something I'd been exploring for a long time, but went way deeper into this idea of humanizing and icon. Um, image, persona, identity, even like quantum mechanics, like it, and it brought us through mythology and spirituality into pop culture and just 
all these layers. It's like an endless paradigm. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but anyway, okay, so that's how we got to this show was because of the Venice Biennale and because of Mary Pickford. Now, I don't know if you remember when last year um, you saw my film mm -hmm. at that little museum <laughs> before it yeah, was like- Yeah, cool little museum. Remember the Hollywood Heritage like museum that you guys came yeah. to? No, no, I'm saying it's a cool, it's a really cool museum actually. I've never been there before. Oh yeah, it's just, it's like a little, barn it's really really cool um and when i saw you at that restaurant in venice now i'm blanking on the name you and your girlfriend said that there was like code in my movie which is called why not choose love a mary pickford manifesto and i never got to follow up with you and i was like if you don't remember what you saw and what you meant, like that's completely fine. But it came to me today and um, you just brought up love and Pickford wrote a pamphlet about love as the highest frequency. Yeah. Um, Why not choose love? Was that, the, was that the name of it? Yeah, that's the name of the movie. Her book was actually called Why Not Try God, but she talks about God as love. So I changed it to Why yes. Not Choose Love. Yes, yes, perfect. Um, honestly, I don't remember this okay. what we were referring to because it was more of an impression and it was like if had, if we had talked about it at the moment i know i, like I could have gone into more detail <laughs> um but yes you know as we know art is full of code and it's, it's symbolic for a reason symbols touch us on intuitive levels they connect to us they bypass the conscious mind that's why the power of uh entertainment you know film tv all these things it's like it's connecting people on the unconscious mm -hmm. levels that most of the time they're not even aware of same with music, right? All the different instruments, you know, and, uh, instrumentation going on, um, that, you know, even uh, you're not even conscious of, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was, it was very much, it, it, it was, it reminded me, the film reminded me of uh, some of the expressionist films, right? Of like Weimar era, Germany, yeah. you know, expressionist. I thought it was interesting was because. Unique. Also, fast forward to this year earlier, I didn't know you had done Esoteric Hollywood on Gaia. Um, oh, Jay, Dy Jay Dyer's book, Esoteric Hollywood? Yeah, I don't know anything about it, to be honest. It was such a, yeah, it was such a moment of synchronicity for me because I had just checked out some stuff that Ben Stewart did. Uh -huh. And his stuff, I literally thought of you, like while I was looking at his stuff, I didn't even know you had a connection to Gaia. Like, and so I was like, oh, I'm going to check out more stuff. And then the next thing I click on was Esoteric Hollywood. And it was you. And yeah. I was like, that's funny. I just thought of him. Okay. So Gaia, yeah, that's why I used to do Buzzsaw for a few seasons. Um, okay. But Esoteric Hollywood was it been Jay Dyer uh, wrote a book, a couple books called Esoteric Hollywood. And we interviewed Jay for a documentary I did called Hollywood DC. Okay. And Hollywood DC wasn't, didn't get as much into the esoterica although I'm fascinated by the symbolism. Um, and you know, that that's, again, like artistically to, to take apart, you know, films and look for the Illuminati symbolism or the alchemical symbolism and all this kind of stuff is fascinating. But uh, Jay, in my documentary, Hollywood DC, was mainly talking about the CIA exper experiments with mind control, the MK Ultra projects, mm -hmm. right? And how this would have trickled into uh, some of the films that were put out um, 
in Hollywood and how it would have their understanding of how the mind could be controlled. Time earlier, right. we talked about how do people get yes. programmed, they're okay. brainwashed. Well, there's oftentimes an agenda beyond just the simple notion of repetition, mm-hmm. right? You keep repeating something, people believe it. <laughs> Mainstream media is great at repeating stuff, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then there's basic hypnosis, which happens anytime you're watching uh, television, really, for like more than 10, 15 minutes of time, you go into a, a semi hypnotic state. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, again, there's like even deeper layers of, of coding that can be put in. But you think about the nature of a film in general, it's magic. It's set and setting. So what do you do? You go in, in the old days, at least now, now you watch it at home, but like, you know, you dim the lights, you're in an auditorium. Um, it's got like, you know, low light or like, you know, candle, almost candle level of lighting. And, you know, you're in a black, you know, darkness. And then, you know, the, the, the screen is the lights up and the music kicks in and the music takes us where, you know, the music sort of transports us into another realm. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we're basically engaged in this, uh, uh psychosensual experience for the next two hours. Mm-hmm. So it's very, it's very hypnotic and it's very, uh, trance like, if you think about it. like it puts you into a bit of a trance, um, and now it's become so pervasive that I think we're mostly trans- we're, we're most of the time hypnotized because the social media devices are everywhere. So, you know, you're, if you're not in a trance from your phone, you're in a trance from, you know, whatever it is, the YouTube or the, or the social media or <laughs> your, you know, whatever is coming through in your, in your, uh, computer screen. Um, we're oftentimes living in trances nowadays, which is even easier to program. Yes. Yeah. So that was so interesting to me because Pickford, like, knew these things like she knew the power of storytelling and the way that you speak about it so i was like there is a kindred spirit like tribal thing going on with like Mm. some of us and pickford who i did also find out um was like following yogananda and like hanging out with alan watts and yogananda was talking about you know, how everything is a projection. And he wanted to get in touch with the people of Hollywood because they were exploring the projectionism, literally, mm-hmm. as he was understanding more about the optic nerve and more about how there is no external. And so he, saw, yeah, so he saw a direct link to Hollywood and went to seek out who's the, the main major beings of Hollywood at this moment. And it was Pickford and Chaplin and they became friends (laughs) and it was like 1920 or I don't remember the precise year, but all in this moment around March of this year, I discovered, I like discovered Gaia and Pickford slash Yogananda together and that more of the esoteric world. Like it was all at the same time. And I felt like, why am I seeing this all right now? (laughs) You know, stuff that I'd seen before and felt and articulated, but now it was like direct symbols in my life. Like the woman I'd been studying for 10 years, you as my friend now popped up on this show. And like, it was just such an interest and it was the start of like the stay at home order, you know? Yeah, well, exactly. It was, this is why this year has been so transformational for many people is they've had an opportunity to, 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 yes, things have shut down, economies have crashed, many people have been really devastated by it, but they have, the good thing is, again, they've had an opportunity to maybe disconnect from the matrix long enough to start to question mm-hmm. and see deeper and to understand that they were part of a matrix system and, you know, to reflect upon what that, what that system was really about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's many things because... 
you mentioned Yogananda, by the way, another synchronicity was that we used to live in Palisades right next to uh, the Lake Shrine, which I was built by yeah. Yogananda, right? And it's, it is very much a question of what we do because we are the creators. We are, there is no external reality. At some level, we are unconsciously giving our energy and our power, some consciously, very consciously, you know, signing deals with devils, but most people are unconsciously giving their energy and power to a matrix system mm -hmm. that is creating this uh, energy feed, basically, mm -hmm. and harvesting of our energy. Oftentimes, it's tied to money. That's why most people say mm -hmm. they're living in debt slavery, mm -hmm. but there's an energy connection to this. So if there's an external reality, it has to be coming from something inside of us. Yep. It has to be coming from our own unconscious programming to mm -hmm. submit, to basically not question, to, in, you know, to, to, to not stand in our sovereignty and our power. And this is the point that has to be understood. It's like, we can't simply sit here and go, the bad guys are out there. The Satanists are out there. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there are very satanic elements and energies, but at what level? Is it inside of you? Mm -hmm. And this is always where it gets challenging for people because the inner work is so, so essential to the actual process of awakening and actual inner transformation to, act to external transformation. So if you are not cleaning yourself out, if you are not looking at your own programs, if you are not doing the work to find that darkness that lives in you, right? The scripts, the programs, the things that are keeping you at a level of, of, of pattern programming, let's say, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then... There is no point in fighting externally. You know, it just, it won't, it won't matter because it's the same problem that you get into where it's like, you know, I always said this about, you know, the, 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 the some of the, the, the women's, the women's empowerment things. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I say, well, what's the point if a woman gets into power in a system that is itself satanic or allows for systemic corruption and abuse? Mm -hmm. What does it matter if it's a woman or a man? You think that a woman will be more benevolent? What it took for her to get there is still the same dead bodies. It's still, it's still the same, uh, uh, how do you say, virulence of character, mm -hmm. the same uh, maliciousness of personality that it took you know, a man to get to that position, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. If you're in a pyramid. Mm -hmm. So if we don't change the entire structure, mm -hmm. you're just changing the facade, right? Mm -hmm. So you're saying, you know, take him out and replace him with her. That's what I say. you're not changing yes. the system. You're not changing the system. Yes. Right? So yes. Not, it doesn't matter. It's like, this is the problem. People get into this facade thing. It's like, it's you know. Just, yes. <laughs> right? They get to the Vogue magazine reality, I call it. The Vogue magazine level of reality. Where it's like, well, oh, it's like, it's it like switching prettier. out the superhero, right? Like with the, mm -hmm. with the female body. Yeah. But she uses the same superpowers. Exactly. She's just a man. She's a man and she's using the same masculine energy, the masculine principle. But where's the feminine principle? Where's the reciprocity? Exactly. Where is the notion of the circle, which is more of a feminine force? If we're still in the same explosive dynamic of, you know, again, the pyramid of power, that all the power gets concentrated to the top as opposed to, again, the feminine. So then I wondered, because I, I thought like something, I must be off or missing something. I like being judgmental. If... I only see it that way. And I thought, well, is that still a step somehow? Like, are we just like a species of really, really baby steps? Like, Oh no, we're ready like, for a big oh, leap. What? I say we're ready for a big leap. I know, but I was just like, well, maybe this is still a step in the process. Like that they're just putting the female in the male, 
the toxic the toxic male because males there's nothing wrong with male or masculine like we need that as much as we need feminine i believe um, oh yeah but i think they're starting to classify everything masculine as toxic and it's it's not everything but i'm saying like they, no, they're, they're taking that, that term way too far <laughs> yeah they're taking the term way there's a lot of i believe a lot of my film fury of the fist dealt with this a little bit right where it's like he was the he's the ultra masculine character fear of the fist is the, he's he's donald trump man this guy is like so ultra masculine he's it's set in the 80s right back when the action hero was 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 the mm-hmm. macho male and the the dark side of the mar of, of the macho the macho is as we know the toxic male yeah it's sexist it's um uh yeah like egoic mm-hmm. right the ego is too it's too it's too big i mean look it, it goes back to the days of gilgamesh in the uh, again talk about the sumerian texts and the ancient mesopotamian civilization gilgamesh was this great heroic figure but he's also full of ego you know so is so is hercules so is uh achilles mm-hmm. right all these great male heroes get too full with pride mm-hmm. so the character in the story has to go through his transformation to balance himself out but you need the male energy to defend, to protect, to secure. You know, that's, that's part of the male energy that, that allows for, how do you say, for the hearse to, be, to be, feel safe and, and to, to feel like the woman can come into her full potentiality. Now, I, I don't say woman as only the feminine energy. Yeah. Because we have feminine energy in us as men, and women have men. And we've been leading with a but lot of masculine, masculine too. Not weighing. Well, I'm saying to the point is that we should, women shouldn't have more masculine than feminine and men shouldn't have to have more feminine than masculine because the balance is always stoking that kernel. But it's like, it's the yin yang, right? Uh So it's like within us, we have the feminine, but if the feminine is is too dominant, you're going to waste what is our, our great energy and our great power. Mm -hmm. And the same for females, you know, women's, you know, yes, they're physically very strong women, but the power of the woman is more in her the biological and evolutionary spiritual notions of intuition, of of um, sensitivities, mm-hmm. right? Of certain certain gifts and powers that are more intrinsic. Now there are always the exceptions. Mm-hmm. No one's going to say like this rule applies to everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you know you can't say everyone is anything, right? There's always the the exception. There's always the anomaly. Mm-hmm. But just simply as a pattern, I don't feel that we're honoring that which is the divinely feminine mm-hmm. principles, which are more about intuition and nurturing and sensitivity and you know caring and certain you know qualities and you know certain wisdoms that belong mm-hmm. to the female and you know that are separate from the males that's all just they're just different instincts different intuitions but we also have different biologies and if we can't accept that that's where we have a real problem yeah I feel like some of this pc stuff is like it won't accept the notion that there's a separation of biology it's like well let's get rid of that separation let's turn this into this sort of hodgepodge in my film fear of the fist deals with that it's like it's just sort of like we call it uh, <laughs> girl boy bok choy i mean it's like they kind of mash it together in this gmo genetically modified <laughs> GMO, i love that yeah this genetically modified where can human. people find this where can people act like get your stuff oh oh it's on amazon it's on amazon okay, or cool. a, you know to be or whatever you know it's it's out there okay yeah. cool good wow yeah it's so it's so interesting so what do you think, like, when you hear even the term humanizing the icon, like, how does that resonate? Well, I mean, we want to humanize the icon because I, you know, first of all, icons to me are, you know, they're powerful symbols since I, you know, since I was a kid, I, you know, my icons would have been, um, 
some of the you know actors of that time period uh you know there are obviously many movie stars from also before you know even before we're born those that have passed away but we know when someone is an icon they're recognized as a symbol of something or they you know they did something they represent something so um oftentimes as you know when you have an icon like just like a statue it becomes one-dimensional it becomes the symbolic representation and that's what movie stars oftentimes have been mm. you know in the old days especially and probably less now um uh, but I, you know, the separation of the icon from the human, and this is something in my lifetime I've experienced a lot because I was around actors throughout my life and seeing the human being made me, you know, how do you say, much less susceptible to this uh, starstruck quality, yes, right? This, yeah. uh, this aspect many people have of, oh my God, you know, it's so-and-so and it's like, are they interesting to talk to or yeah. you know, do they have a personality or are they just kind of like consummate actors who are just like waiting for the next dot you know script to, to to deliver lines so they don't really have anything else to say i mean yeah. it's just it, it, i'm being i'm being mean obviously most aren't but the point is that you know it's a, i never had that issue of humanizing the icon i think uh for many people that have not experienced an icon though in their life or been around it, it it's a much more provocative concept to to get them to know who this person is uh, beyond the, the superficial and what about icon as systems or eras or concepts or even the human as you're talking about um our programs and the unconsciousness we operate from and the matrix and multiplicity and all these things it's like hmm. as i've gone into this paradigm what seems to keep coming up is well the human is the icon right aren't we kind of all actors like it was cool you brought up your experience as like growing up around actors because we are that right uh-huh uh-huh well um are we all actors like aren't we playing role, like in our incarnation like you know isn't like you say you can kind of switch perspective anytime you want to you can sort of switch your lens you know you even called yourself a character. You even said, I've stepped out as this like controversial character, you know? Yeah. I mean, look. I think we're all actors. I, was, <laughs> I, I, have an I have an interesting, I have an interesting, you know how you say, interesting feeling around that. Um, because I feel like the more, the, the more that we can do the work, to soften and open up and reveal our true self, the less, mm -hmm. the more we can let go of the acts. Mm -hmm. Now, at the end of the day, as you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the greatest aspect that we admire in an actor, right? The greatest uh, talent, ability is honesty. Mm -hmm. That's actually what we're looking for. Many actors are more honest in terms of their performance than people are in their real life. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So are we really good actors or bad actors that's the if thing you can become more yeah. honest you're probably becoming a, a better actor if you're hiding and you're behind masks you're you, if you're hiding behind masks you're a bad actor you need masks <laughs> to, to perform the best actors don't need the mask i mean they'll play it they'll use it but they don't need it to perform yeah and and like how meisner said acting is being acting is mm. so simple that intellectuals don't get it i mean if acting is being then that's you know also something interesting but i think that um yeah yeah so yeah humanizing the icon has kind of become to me this sort of almost like existential journey because icon is literally 
like image button you push um portal you know um is Hitler an icon? Like, is is our icons just oh sure and, and and dangers of like idolization? You know, like if we are able to like you say do the work by going in, will worshiping start to dissolve? You know, will yes. will we become more sovereign and less about creating something that we think of as external that we put up on this larger than life pedestal that actually diminishes our worth somehow in some way because we're not that, but yet we are because we're projecting that image. We're creating that story, right? Well, there's nothing wrong with the external. So this goes back to what we talked about earlier, which is how the mainstream media manipulates this notion of culture, right? Mm-hmm. On mass. And it's not a new thing. I mean, it's throughout history. There are, you know, there are many books that were ignored, like, let's say that, that you would never even know about, but then you know they'll mm-hmm. say like this is the this is the book of that era of that moment or this is a great writer of that era. Um, so the the mainstream media has gotten more manipulative, I think, as we've gone because it's become more expansive, more extensive, um, because we've lost a lot of the small presses, the small journals, you know, the, the, mm-hmm. the small town notion you know approach to media. So we've got these big conglomerates that are selling you constantly, and as a result, we've lost. The notion of the artist along the way mm-hmm. there are good there are artists out there i'm not saying they're not good artists but the connection of an artist to the work is as you know oftentimes tapered down or or affected because mm-hmm. of this mass production concept right the mass reproduction um that's that's being that's used to disseminate everything from music to film so if we can get in this next this coming era the great awakening era more honesty within ourselves and more sovereignty within ourselves. A, we stop looking to uh, the icons. I don't even think they really exist anymore. I th- think that it's mm-hmm. we've lost the movie stars. There's no movie star that's under 50 years old nowadays. I mean, mm-hmm. most of them are, you'll say like, I know that actor, but it's not the same level what a movie star meant, you know, yes. that would open a movie. You know, I love some of these actors, but if they're not playing a superhero, you're not going to see them in a, you're not going to a theater. Well, no one's going to a theater right now, but you're not going to a theater to see yeah. these people movies because they're not movie stars the same way and you could talk about tiktok stars or instagram you know models or um you know things like that youtube stars but it doesn't have the same connotation it doesn't have the same impression it might affect the psychology of a generation absolutely you can still man- affect millions and millions of people but that notion of the icon that was sort of what you wanted to be right and that's uh-huh. what i remember still from like the set that you know growing up in the 80s and 90s it was like that was that was an iconic actor you know you want to be that guy or you want to be that that character in a movie yeah. you don't really have that so much anymore right maybe maybe the kids do i don't i don't know i, I don't think it's, it's the same the same quality so we have to get back now to our sovereignty as each one of us the star each one of us the creator each one of us mm-hmm. as I said, the actor and in that process appreciate art more readily for what it is as something that speaks to us and if we can do that hopefully we can start to bypass these monopolies by the conglomerates of what is supposed to be made and what's supposed to be good and what's supposed to be popular we need to bypass that and say look i want a good story again i don't care about these stupid you know they're great yeah they're great films with you know a bunch of effects but like i don't want it all to be that i miss the good dramas and you know the 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 small epics you know the things that were done for you know the right budget that really affected you and it wasn't just so I don't even know, like 
Netflix, Netflix. It's like television. It's like making movies into television shows and television shows into movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I miss the mm-hmm. movies that were movies that were written and thought out and, and appealed to you and the effect and you watched them in two hours and you you had something to talk about afterward. That's what I miss, that experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now we talk about COVID. <laughs> Oh, forget COVID. I'm so sick of it. Actually, right now, the news is more interesting this year. Certainly, the news and the documentaries and the, the, the research is much more interesting than anything that's being made. That's for sure. I mean, right now, you're watching a coup d'etat playing out real time live. There's nothing more interesting than that. <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> not even understanding what they're seeing. Yeah. If they can exactly. actually understand what they're watching, you're watching a coup d'etat against the United States take place. But half the people are just like, huh? What are you talking about? I know. What? What, what, what vote fraud? Oh, this is just that guy Trump that's a tin pot dictator that we were told for the last four years. So they're not really understanding what's playing out. But if you're watching, this is like, this is like something you've never seen in your life. Yeah, and, uh, and you're right. People don't know and they're just scared. They're just freaked out. And that's the worst thing to be because there's nothing to be freaked out about at this point. The only thing, we should be, the only thing that can, that's, can scare me at this point is a complete socialist takeover of the United States. Socialist, communist, totalitarian, I don't care what word you put in, fascism, you can put whatever name you want on it. It's not left or right, although it may appear left wing, but it's actually, it's an overall alien entity, let's say foreign to the United States as far as its origin, British empire, uh-huh. um, trans, transnational corporations, globalists, you want to call them, but they're really like, they have no loyalty to the United States, taking over this country and basically putting us into impositions on total lockdown, vaccination protocols, um, you know, UBI based on uh, no free thought, uh, controlling our our access to currency. I mean, all this stuff is like, it would have been alien to people that we've been talking, I mean, people like myself and others have been talking about this for years. This was all alien to people. It's becoming very real Mm -hmm. to people. Good. Mm -hmm. That should scare them, but it should also make them realize what we have is a very powerful thing in this country. And it's something called freedom. (laughs) <laughs> and if you don't preserve that, it will be taken from you. Wow. Okay. That's a powerful message to wrap up on and let Chelio share his drawing. Um, is there anything else though, like with your work or projects you want to mention? Just, I want to make sure because it's so powerful. If there's, you have your website, right? Yeah. Seanstone.info. Everything's there. Uh, okay, cool. my social media, people can follow. Um, but yeah, this is just, the time is now, man. The revolution is upon us. It is it's just imperative that we uh, start paying attention to what's going on and each one of us find our voice and our truth. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, you. So much. And Chelia, what did you do here? That's awesome. Oh, today is coming very intense work. Oh, I want to read what I draw because uh, I draw the energy of, of can I perceive today and then can you show them on Instagram? Oh, here, I'll show you. Yeah, see if you can. This is, go ahead, go back to the... Oh, I saw in this draw... Uh, the, can you hold it up a little the, bit? The, ...the mother of nature. We have uh, a dry tree. Uh, this is uh, a, a, a roof, a roof of the trees. A mother, a mother of nature. Wow. Um, 
she is want to pregnant something is want to uh, create again but we have some people can build the tower of power and the tower of power i love that i love that too yes and uh, so in the top some people some power people is fight for find some tree for building i am god i want my build i put my flag not i put my flag and this in totally is uh, uh, is a natural problem we have in this time a covid natural problem forest burning forest building and i feel in this discussion a suffer about this this draw is a little bit intense maybe it's a little bit scared but we have to know the nature the nature mother want to burn want to burn is a pregnant but if we insist with these people to make the tower of power the arms is three the arms is a fake power the real power is a natural place and mm -hmm. the birds the birds fly away don't look this tree anymore this is my uh, perception from today wow all right <laughs> i love it amazing um, um, uh, Okay, so we can say goodbye to uh, Instagram. All right, goodbye Instagram. Bye Thank Instagram. You, Thank you. And you never saw anyone. We actually had a lot of comments and stuff. I didn't see anybody. <laughs> I saw nothing. <laughs> so, um, okay, now we can say goodbye yeah. on Facebook. All right. Thank you, Facebook. Thank Thanks, you, everyone. Facebook. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Chelio. Yeah, so that was awesome, Chelio. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank, thank you, so you Sean. Absolutely. Thank Thanks, Sean. Jen. This was really fun. I want to actually yes. talk to you more. I'm going to call you. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, not now. Don't worry. Call me after. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Call me. Call me soon. We'll catch up. Okay. Say hi right. to Danielle too. I will do. Thank you. Okay. Bye, guys. Ciao, Ciao everyone. Ciao. Bye.